Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to part two with the Dean and EJ, the Books Boy. So, PJ, I've only got two more books and to review. And if I'm being honest, um, I'm really only going to talk a lot about one of them. Um, The Scarlet Letter, I'll do it first to get out of the way, didn't inspire a lot of conversation, which might surprise you. I thought uh, Alex recommended this to your mutual friend, right? Yeah, he he did. Just because it's, you know, it's 1850, um, it was when it's written. It's taking place in Boston, New England, this um, type of um, American, early American sort of society, very Puritan um, community, super religious, super Hmm. strict. Um, And he said to me, like, you know, the way he sold it to me was was during the time of like the Salem witch trials and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't really come up very much. And Uh, is he a fan of the book? I'm not sure if he recommended it because of its cultural significance or because he liked it. Like, I'm actually not even so sure if he's read it. I need to talk to him about it. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. So tell Um, me. But I've had it lying around on the shelf for a long time. So I just decided, you know, I'll get to it. It's it's an American classic for the first time. Yeah, it's a classic. Um, So let's get into American literature. So what did you think of it then? It It was grand. (laughs) <laughs> like one of the most important books in American no. literature no it was American fine like, it's very short you, I, it's only 200 pages I read it in two days so that's very disappointing so you would have liked it more if it had done Anna Karenna method maybe maybe it's written in you know there's a lot of thou arts and a lot of sort of old uh, middle English type uh, I, thought you, you know. I thought you would like that stuff uh, yeah it's fine I just <laughs> okay so in terms of the, does the witch type stuff come in? Well, there's one, there's a yeah. character that referred to as an old witch lady and she's talking mm. about a, some kind of thing in the guy in the forest and whatever. But that's just mentioned a couple of times. Like, it never comes to anything. We never find out anything about there's witches. A, or, there's a know, point. There's a point. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're, you're, there's the idea that that stuff might be going on in the background, but that's it. It's not really relevant, you know? Mm. So I'm going to do this one in three minutes if I can. It can be really dealt with very, very... In a very straightforward manner, we have a girl. She's come over from England. Her husband's supposed to be coming behind her. Two years later, he hasn't shown up. Oh, Lord. She sleeps with another person, uh, oh. a preacher. And oh, Lord. Oh, mercy. even though her husband is not there for two years and possibly dead, like there's been no word from him, he could have been shipwrecked on the way over, whatever it is. This, this super strict, you know, Christian Puritan uh, society yeah, yeah. brand her you know, as a kind of harlot. Um, mm. And so she takes all this moral culpability and shame. She refuses to ever say who the guy was. Okay. So the preacher mm. has guilt on his hands, but he's safe. 
where she has to stand in the pillory and be kind of abused by the town for a couple of hours. And then for the rest mm. of her life, wear this scarlet letter A embroidered with gold thread onto her, her dress. Right. She has to go around with this mark of shame for the rest of her life. Um, Interesting. I, 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 I had no idea that's what the scar letter. Yeah, no, did I. It's actually a letter someone written. Yeah, I thought it was a letter. Yeah. So it's, okay. a, it's a letter embroidered on her, and she has a little baby. Um, oh, what, what do you mean? People... Hold on a second. From like from from the from the preacher, or yeah, just from her from oh, the preacher. Right, yeah. And people joke about the baby that she's called Hester. Um, they joke about the baby that it's a kind of half demon or a half witch but i don't think anyone really takes it seriously like they say that almost in half jest the town actually want to look after the baby you know they're not trying to kill it or anything yeah. strange like that to be honest it sounds really good though you right it does it does sound good sounds just, right so that's the premise but that all takes place quite quickly and then nothing really happens for the rest of the book that's the problem right um, and yeah. the premise is fantastic um but but, but basically she, she's shunned by society and she slowly wins them over over like a seven year period by just like being humble putting up with any humiliation and abuse that the time give her you know and eventually kind of wins them over i i guess her little daughter pearl um you know the, the joke that she's a kind of witch child or a fairy or something because half elf mm-hmm. because she's very high spirited and runs around and she's a child right that's what children do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. The town want to take the child off her at one point because they want to make sure the child is well raised, not by an immoral woman. Um, but mm. she resists and they accept it. And, and to be honest, it's all fine. Um, there is this idea that, you know, the priest is the, the, the preacher, or the pastor, or whatever he is, is a bit of a coward. You know, he's letting her take all the shame and he's not taking any. And he kind of says, one one day I'll be able to hold your hand in public. Um, but for now, let's sneak away to the forest and, and do it, you know. And what so they're still making still making love? Not well no, but they're just like meeting up and, and displaying affection for each other. Not initially, but it grows back again throughout the course of the book. Okay, okay. And um, but there is a villain, old Roger Chillingworth. There's this old re- really mean old evil man going around the town. And it mm. turns out, slight spoiler, he's the husband. Oh, wait, no, 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 hold on a second. This is important. Because the yeah, book needs a villain. He's the husband who was meant to have followed her over in the beginning. Oh. But he's been okay. there all along. And for some reason, he doesn't. He just disregards her and doesn't want anyone to know that he's her husband. So the, the main premise of this novel is if you reveal my secret that I'm your husband, then I'll reveal the secret that it was the preacher who is the father of your baby. Right. So that's, the, that's where the tension of the entire novel comes from. Okay, okay. So they go on for Honestly, seven years in this limbo of her just putting up to, with like humiliation daily. Honestly, it sounds awesome. But yeah, okay, you, you still didn't like it. I mean, the premise does sound great. I will say I did like it. I just feel like maybe more needed to happen or just kind of, there was times where I was skimming through it because there was entire chapters where nothing was really happening and they're just kind of preaching at me, you know? Okay. But, you know, the most the most salient point to take away from this book and you get this in a lot of the Victorian literature as well. It's these kind of Christian lady societies. You get them in the, in the Dickens books and things. But mm-hmm. it's this idea of like, and I find the Puritans essentially evil in this book, but they're using religion to mask their own moral culpability. You know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're treating this poor girl who, as far as I can see, has really done nothing wrong. And they're treating her horribly 
under the guise of, well, we're like super strict religious, you know? And I, I think that really the social commentary is on religion, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But I was disappointed that there was no, not really much witch stuff. But yeah, like the, the Puritans want to have this holier than thou kind of self-righteousness. And all they're really doing is using it as, as, a, as a cloak to go around and, and be mean to other people. So yeah, that's really all I have to say about The Scarlet Letter. I don't want to spoil the ending and it's a short book. So there's not a huge amount to, to, to go through. The premise is fantastic. And the book is yeah. decent. Um, you know, maybe if a bit more happened in the second half, that's all. I've got to say, though, Dean, that this month's uh, the premise from all the books so far really find very intriguing. So, yeah, actually, you're doing a good job. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's not that I, I, obviously I just having problems with all this Victorian philosophy at the time, but the stories themselves very intriguing, especially the last one. Like, uh, you know, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And we've only yeah. got one, uh, one more book to go, and then we're go gonna, we're gonna be out of here. Very oh, well. oh, hold on, see. The phone ringing, I think. Uh, bear with me, this. I'll be back in a few minutes. I'll see who's coming. Okay. Hello, you're through the books, boys. You've got Dean on the line. Who's calling? Uh, it's John Constable. John, wow. Well, it's nice of you to call in. Uh, and I'm assuming that you're the John Constable who wrote this lovely book that I have in front of me, The Chanteuse from Cape Town. The Chanteuse from Cape Town. Yes, indeed. Um, it's my debut novel and uh, it was released uh, into the world about two months ago now uh, mid-January Yeah, so I, I got this one more or less, you know, as, as soon as it was out and we, we talked about it last month um, so it's very fortuitous yeah. of you to, to call in and have a chat with us about it um, I mean, first off, I, I loved it uh, and if you heard that our episode, you'll, you'll know that I really, really had a, a high opinion of it um, You've been writing for a long time, is that right? Uh Yes, but on and off. Um, I uh, have been at this for many decades, but there have been long gaps in between my writing stints because I was doing other other things. But it's something that uh, I've come back to in recent years, and uh, I'm trying to make more of an effort now to craft something which um, uh, constitutes a series. And this... Uh, this expedition with uh, Sol Nemo and South Africa um, is um, the way I'm planning to go, mm -hmm. certainly for the uh, for the forthcoming period. There is a second book which is um, completed and I'm working on a third at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I I'm trying to put some impetus behind it. Wow. OK, so that's, you know, something I usually ask at some point is when's the next yeah. book going to be written? But you've done it. You've written it. <laughs> Uh, yes, and I'm hoping to launch, I think, perhaps late summer, maybe September, October time. Uh, there is obviously some work uh, to be done in terms of publishing and book cover design and all that sort of stuff. Those bits and pieces, but that's, yeah. That's, but that's the plan at the moment, yeah. Okay, and you've already got ideas for a third, which is fantastic. Now, at the moment, we've got the one book, and then there's a short story that you can read on your website. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, yes, that's right. That's right. I don't know whether you've looked at the short story. Not many people seem to actually find it, but um, yeah, that, that that's there, and it's about 5,000 words, so it's, uh, you know, it's a 15, 23. Mm -hmm. No, that's, it's interesting to get that little extra little bit just to give us a little bit more of, of Saul. I, I like yeah. Saul. He's your kind of, I mean, how, how would we describe the guy? Because he's, 
he's got his links with saps the kind of police force there yeah. but he also isn't trusting all of them and he's a bit of a, a renegade is that yeah. fair yeah i i think that's fair to say and obviously on the back of this massive inheritance which he received and wasn't uh certainly in any way expected he does have a certain freedom of maneuver which might be denied to uh, other people whose circumstances are more straight and yeah he gets around okay he's got his nice car and everything which eventually gets blown up but yeah you know he has a nice heart as well though i and i mentioned it last last month but there's the moment where you know when he's he's going around talking to people and trying to find out information and he comes across the, the one girl who's been really mistreated by her husband, but, you know, he's rich and she can't afford the lawyer. So he says, well, here's my yeah. overpriced kind of watch. Go and pawn it and, yeah. uh, you know, get yourself a lawyer. So he has a heart. Yeah, 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 yeah no, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's all part, I think, of trying to create a, a character. Um, so I, I try to be conscious of these things, uh, you know, just introduce some subtlety and some nuances hopefully which um, you know will strike a resonance and get people to um, like the character and hopefully like uh, the writing uh, and, and and the plots which i'm trying to create mm-hmm. the plot's brilliant i mean i love that we we deal with the character first you know and obviously this stuff happening we've got the uh, stuff with frank and mira and everything but then we you know by the end it's a it's a full-on uh, you know, action movie type type scene when they get up to Swartman's um, vineyard and everything. So it, oh, it, it, yes. it gets very dramatic. Yeah. That, that's been commented upon by uh, other people. I, certainly at the time that I was writing it, I, I wasn't particularly conscious in that sort of in that sort of way. But yeah, I mean, there is quite a quite an explosion, I, I think, towards the end of the book. There is, although I think it's apt. You know, it builds up to it. It doesn't come out of nowhere yeah. it, it fits and everything it's it's, it's perfect um, and yeah. let me ask you who do you see as being the real villain of the book is it Dutois or is it Swartman well I I think both of them um as one of my reviewers uh said um Detroit is unlovely um and uh Swartman well I mean he's a, a drug dealer of long standing so you know, they they form a conspiracy between the two of them, and um, yeah, they're they're both pretty unappealing characters. Yeah, I mean, I guess Swartman's more your, as you say, kind of career criminal type, um, more into the violence. I mean, they rough up Saul pretty bad. Um, sure. Whereas Dutois, I suppose, is more your the fancier type of criminal. You know, he's got his official kind of business he's he's doing his financial advising to frank and you know whatever he's doing for him and he's kind of making everything see a nice nice little sheer uh, veneer of 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 officialness to it all but then under the surface he's actually just working with swordman yeah no absolutely it's very much a criminal um enterprise but obviously they approach it from different uh, motivational uh standpoints yeah I want to ask you one question. Was there a deliberate decision not to give us too much of Frank? Because, you know, reading the early parts, I'm thinking, okay, Saul's got this big, you know, bond to Frank. And hopefully we'll we'll get to know a lot about this guy. And then we don't really see much of him and then he's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think this was just the way that the thing evolved as I was writing it. And, you know, one of the aspects which um, 
I, I think I was keen to explore as far as Sol's character was concerned is this personal battle that he's mm. got with mental health. Um, and obviously that comes into very sharp focus at the point where, um, you know, sadly he loses this um, surrogate father figure. Yeah, and Frank, and that's something important to mention, Frank was a kind of father figure to him and yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. he was the... He was important yeah. in his life, so that's what I mean. That's the whole reason that that so that's Saul's entire motivation here, isn't it? It's to protect, you know, Frank. Obviously, he thinks he's been swindled out of this money. Yeah. He's a bit suspicious of Mira as well, and he's doing it. You know, there's nothing tying him to this. He hasn't been paid to do this investigative work as such. No, that's right. That's right. But uh, his uh, his motivation, I think, going forward, because he has the benefit of this very large inheritance um, is that he's in the position to be able to, you know, perhaps give something back and to work for people typically who wouldn't be able to afford his services. So again, that is part of the part of the character. I mean, he works for free. Um, He's not there running a business in in the way that he would have to if um, he didn't have um, other means, uh, independent means. Which I suppose is, is admirable, and as I say, he's he's a likable, despite being a, a bit of a tough guy almost and a bit of a renegade. He's also, as we yeah. said before, he is he's likable, so that that just plays further into into that. Um, no, no, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, certainly a central character of that sort, I think, has to be likable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's debatable. Well, I suppose maybe he wouldn't be, but I mean, I would rather read books that um, where you relate to the character in some positive sense rather than thinking well actually you know this person is a really bad lot and I'm going to have to plow through the rest of uh, rest of the book so th- th- that was my that was my take on it but I mean like us all you know he's th- th- there are parts which are good and there are parts which are bad um, and there are bits in between where we might have some you know long discussion um, yeah yeah so I want to ask a little bit about the the sequel then. I mean, I'm, I'm not asking for any spoilers as such, but are we going to see more of Aisha? Uh, no, we're not, actually. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, she's uh, she's a bit of a figure of mystery, isn't she? Um, Jeez, uh, I want more of her. <laughs> the, 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 sec- the second book is called uh, The Truth about Anton van, van Zaal, um, it is profiled briefly on my website, which you can visit at uh, johnconstableauthor.com. And there's some information about me, but there is also a synopsis with regard to the uh, uh, to the second book. But no, sadly, she does not feature in the in the second book. Um, and as far as I can see at the moment, she doesn't feature in the third either. So I mean, maybe when maybe when I get round to to writing the fourth, um, perhaps she can be brought um, she can be brought back in. Okay, so maybe in the future, but we're we're done with her for now. Yeah, she is interesting is. because I couldn't figure her out, you know. And I wanted I, I, I'm a sucker for a romance plot, right? I want the, the yeah, nice relationship with Sol and Aisha to work yeah. out, but at the same time, we don't know. He doesn't even know much about her. Never mind us. Yeah, well, it's the fact that, you know, his base is Port Elizabeth in South Africa, and she seems to spend an awful lot of time away in Johannesburg and Pretoria. And she is apparently um, working for this French perfumery company. 
Um, and yeah, he, he doesn't know too much about her. So this is a very sort of off on relationship. And of course, on the back of the fact that he's inherited all this money uh, and because of his insecurities, um, you know, he's sort of questioning why she would suddenly be starting to make some more positive play for him than uh, has been the case in the past. So again, uh, it's it's left as an open question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the last character, I suppose, that I think merits some discussion is, of course, the chanteuse herself. It's it's Mira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's a fantastic character, and you know, tragedy ensues and, and all the rest of it. But um, what was the insp- so I understand the inspiration for this the whole setting is obviously your own visits, you know, in South Africa and, and spending time there yourself. What was the inspiration yeah. from for, for the Chanteuse for for Mira? Uh, well, I I was looking obviously to derive a plot, um, and as I think these things often happen, or they do, as far as I'm concerned, it's a uh, it, it's a process of building and it doesn't go together necessarily very quickly, certainly in my case. And you put bits and pieces together. Hopefully you've got some idea of where you're starting from um, and you've got hopefully some idea as, where, as to where you might end up. And then there's this big piece in the middle, which is not really fixed and you sit down and start mm-hmm. writing and things go off in different, different directions Um and the plots evolved. Um, that's, I think, the best way that I can describe it. I mean, I spent, I think, probably about 18 months off and on actually writing it. And, uh, yeah, it's a process of, of evolution. Uh, writers work in different ways, as you know. I mean, some uh, start simply with a blank page and off they go, and others will sit down and map everything out to the last mm-hmm. piece. I think I'm probably the um, in the first category, but always what you're trying to do, I think, is to put together something which is credible. You know that you've got a plot which actually does hang together, and people aren't left thinking, "Oh gosh, no, that's another coincidence," which um, you know I didn't expect or anticipate. So that's part of the difficulty is just you know getting everything to uh, to align. So yeah, it um, it is a process. It's a process. I had sleepless nights thinking about aspects of plot and, you know, my might be going forward. I mean, that's every writer has their has their process, as you, as you say. What, one thing I always find interesting was two, two authors that I find very similar are P.G. Woodhouse and Agatha Christie, because they both turn out those little 180 page little short books, you know, yeah, one with murders, very... one with jokes, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting, actually, because it's a long time since I've read any P.G. Woodhouse. Um, but on this uh, trip, this last trip down to South Africa, I thought I would reacquaint myself. So um, I bought uh, I, I bought a volume of collected short stories, I think, called Carry On Jeeves. Uh, and yes. These were, these were written, uh, well, they, they were written, a number of them, over 100 years ago. And I worked my way through through that and um yeah that was uh, that was quite uh, that was quite amusing mm. that was quite amusing what i find very interesting just on the note of the process is despite despite agatha christie and, and pg woodhouse turning out what are comparable books 
Uh, I yeah. had to basically just write it with no real idea what she was doing and just yeah. you know, let it write itself. Whereas Woodhouse would write about a thousand pages and then edit it down to, to 200, you know? So right. it's okay. interesting that you can have such a wildly different process for, for a similar yeah. result. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the other interesting thing, I mean, I, I don't know when you were aware of, uh, of this, but uh, P.G. Woodhouse and Raymond Chandler were both educated at um, Dulwich College. Oh. Um not in the not in the same years, but again, there are there's some similarities, I think, in terms of um, in terms of style and approach. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a fascinating subject. But yeah, at the end of the day, different writers work in work in different ways. And uh, yeah, that's it. Well, normally when I do these uh, interviews, people tell me, oh, the next book's not going to be out for a year, two years. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. my goodness. But you've actually said the second book is written, so I'm hoping it's out uh, sooner rather than later, and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, yeah. I'll put a link to your website in the in the show notes um, so that people can go in and have a look at it. Um, and obviously, they can get the book. What I'd like to ask you is our final question that I ask to everyone. Um, mm. If there's any existing book that you wish you'd been the person to write, what would it be? Um, if I had to choose one, um, I think it would probably be John Buchan's The 39 Steps. Ah, good choice. Um, which is, an, is a novella. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. not a long book. I'm not quite sure how many words it is, but you can read it from uh, start to finish in, in a couple of hours. And it does creak a bit, um, I think, and some of the attitudes uh, struck and so on we would regard now as being um, xenophobic yeah. and rather dated. Um, but it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful story, I believe, and it's something that uh, I quite frequently reread. Um, yeah, yeah, and the descriptions, some of the descriptions of the lowlands of Scotland, I think, are. Oh, brilliant. So, yeah, if I had to choose one at the end of the day, you know, if you were putting me on the spot, that would um, that would be it. I think. It's a good choice. I've actually not read it, but I've seen it performed uh, in oh, theatre and the story no, is no, it's, fantastic. You, you must do. You must do because uh, you can pick. I, I don't think it's it was published originally in 1915. I don't think it's ever actually been out of print. You can pick up a copy very cheaply and you can read it, um, you know, in a couple of hours. But mm. uh, I, I, I think it's great. I, I really do. <laughs> I'll have to get get a hold of it next time I go yeah. to the bookshop. Well, John, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks. We love the book. And um, enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. Yeah. No, thank you very much for the opportunity. And just to uh, reiterate, the title of the book is The Chanteurs from Cape Town. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I hope people buy it and read it and, more importantly, enjoy it. That's it. We we recommend it. I'll put the full title, link to your website and everything in the show notes. And there'll be some pictures of me reading it on uh, on our Instagram. So everyone will Fantastic. see the lovely cover and the full title. John, uh, take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. Thank you to John Constable for giving us a call. We chatted about his book, The Chantus from Cape Town, in a bit more detail yeah. on last month's episode. And it's always nice to hear from authors guys if you ever want to call into the show you can definitely do that if you want to send us your books or you need a mailing address get in touch booksboys at hotmail.com and we would love Thanks to much, yeah. hear from anyone you can even send us little voicemails or recommendations whatever you want and we'll, we'll play those on the show we've done that before yeah thanks very much guys 
And thanks very much, John, for uh, calling in and sending us our book. Now, what I like is that this uh, this episode is going to be about two hours long. Well, probably not an hour and a half. PJ's still doing his laundry. I'm still doing my laundry. <laughs> I'm just finishing up. I'm going to show Dean. If you, if you want to see more, you know, just money, money. You can see. This could be a great uh, sideshow, right? If you pay more, you can see us doing the show and me doing the laundry at the same time. Yeah. So nothing, nothing else happening. I'm not wearing any provocative laundry. Just, I'm just wearing, well, you just, well, not just kind of pajamas, to be honest today. And doing the laundry. It's quite an impressive part about here. I've got to tell you. Dean, I'm going to show you. So I'll show you. Are you ready? Let's have it. Okay, here it is. Look at that. That's an impressive part. Neat piles of laundry, all nicely Neat folded. piles of laundry on a, on a huge table. Uh, mm. So I think it, it's very relaxing. My God, I never would have thought so relaxing to just have a chat. Do a bit of laundry. Yeah, there we go. Laundry. So now every time you need to do the laundry, we just uh, we just do some kind of improvised uh, episode about well, something. You know? <laughs> indeed. And any time you, dear listener, want to do the laundry, why don't you listen to a sensual episode of Books Boys? Mm. There we go. But before we get too sensual, I'll I'll move on real quick. <laughs> okay. um, and also, as I, I mentioned emailing us, but don't forget we've got things like Instagram and everything as well uh, at Books Boys Podcast. Message. I haven't been posting much anymore. Just I think social media is not really a great thing in general. What about the just... what about the whole water bottle? Uh, not water bottle. You know the whole bottle message we're talking about. Is that not in anymore? Like messages through. Send the... us a message in a bottle. Uh, smoke signals. Yeah. Carrier pigeons. We love to get your your books in those your methods. novel. Your novel in those method. So, so the last uh, the last book was Carlos Ruiz Zafon. Oh uh, yeah, we're talking about the big guy. Noche. So the midnight we're palace. About the big guy. Nice picture of a train on fire. Oh, you can't see it. My camera's knocked off. No, turn there you off, go. Man. Nice picture of a train uh, on fire there on the. And that is the I, I read the first part of that trilogy, right? I'm not sure what the name of the trilogy is now, but it's a series of. Um, you read the Prince books. of Mist. I read The Prince of Miss Wire. What a great book. What mm. a great book. Uh, beautifully, concisely, what I was just saying, concisely written story set in the Second World War, but outside the Second World War. It's kind mm. of like always in the background. So I have a surprise for you. It's actually, I don't believe, a trilogy. His main books oh. that we covered before are a series, but his young adult books yeah. that he wrote first, I thought they were also a series. It turns out they're just unrelated books. It's just they're often published together. I've noticed yeah. here in Spain. Because okay. this one is set in 1932, Calcutta, in India. Right. Nice. Okay. And uh, has it got like a lot of fun? So, guys, if you haven't read The Shadow, uh, uh, the Shadow of the Wind, La Sombra del Viento, and the whole kind of sequence of novels that came, we made a whole episode of a, one of our favorite, one of my favorite episodes, just about Safon. And my guy, he's such a great author, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is fantastic, he? and uh, we did talk about interviewing his ghost at one point, but we never got around to that. We, but we, we uh... did, yeah. <laughs> well, that comes to... because I literally thought at the time he was still alive, and yeah, yeah. he passed <laughs> on. Yeah, and then I also thought we might have the chance to talk with him, but it was probably not the case. Even yeah. if we have him, but... well, yeah, anyway. he's, he's very famous. But... Um. So, how, what do you think of this book? So, I loved the Principe de Nieve. It was his first book, and this is his second book. This is the second book we wrote. Second book. Um, it's only about 300 pages much, you know, shorter than some of the ones we covered before um, oh. I was expecting something really simplistic compared to the other books because I thought these are the young yeah. adult ones but there's really, there's not much of a, of a drop, you know, I thought this was going to be like almost for children or something compared to the Cemetery of Lost Books 
it's it slightly more basic, but really not not a big drop mm. in in uh, in level of language or or anything like that. Mm. So, what is the story? We have a chap called Jawahal who is our villain. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we kind of meet him first. We find out that he's a villain, basically. And that's that's like the, the intro part of the novel. We don't like this guy. Then we mm-hmm. have a Mr. Carter, who's the head of this place that essentially we have children, um, I guess orphans, essentially, like grow, growing up in this place until they hit 16. Okay. And a lady comes to him in Aryani and she sort of says, she's inquiring about a particular boy that might be there. And then our villain, yeah. Jawahal, also goes to him to inquire about a boy who might be there. And this is a boy called Ben. Mm. And this boy is just finishing up his, his time there. He's coming up to his, his 16th uh, birthday. And he's a member of a group of friends called the Chubar Society, who are all, I think, about to finish up their time. And the society is disbanding. Okay. okay. This lady has a girl with her called Sheer. Possibly Shire, I'm not sure. But it turns out that, that Shire is um, actually Ben's twin sister. Hmm. And then we've got a bit of, um, you know, family stories going on. My one criticism okay. of the book is a lot of the story is told by the granny just giving exposition. There's just like a, here's a massive exposition dump. I'm going to tell the entire story in like this long narrated chapter. And I, I really felt that that wasn't a good way to do it, you know? Right, and um, that's my only real criticism. But I want to still enjoy the book. I'm not going to let that take away from it. It's just maybe the strange way to do it. Um, it turns out mm. this guy Jawahal. I mean, the book gets a bit magical, right? Which sometimes loses me a little bit. But he somehow has engulfed the soul of their father, and mm. now he needs to replenish it. And now that they're kind of coming of age, he wants to take. Um, ban and, and take his soul to keep his own spirit living essentially. Mm. It kidnaps all the friends and everything so that's where it ends up but I'm not going to go into the ending. Um, yeah. But they, they meet in this old abandoned house which they call the Midnight Palace and then it turns out that this is the house that their dad had built for them and they there's some mm. clues that they follow and they follow these clues and then they, they get to um, like this old train station that has this train and that j- j- the Jawahal is on and, and then it's a fire and everything and that's the cover that we just talked about. It's kind of a lot happening, but it gets a little bit weird when it starts to get mystical, uh, you know, mm. and it, with the spirits and things like that. It sort of loses me a little bit. I, I do prefer things that are really realistic based on reality or, you know, maybe a Dickens mm. style caricature of reality, but fantasy loses me a little bit. But I think this was well mm. done. And um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't have a, a massive amount to, to talk about. There's good this drama with the family, with them discovering that they're twins, um, with you know the fact that Jawahal kind of has the spirit of his dad or whatever, or the body of his dad. Then there's the you know explosions and fire and all this kind of drama. There's the big set piece at the end where Ben has to choose whether his friends. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, not going to sort of say what happens, but I just want to no, no, no. that there is a big dramatic kind of piece. Um, well, yeah, it's a fun after all. Yeah. It's just no, no, unfortunate that there's a big exposition dump in it that kind of gives you the whole story in one go. Right, you know? okay. So it's like, well, what are well, we waiting for now? I suppose he's still experimenting around as a novelist. I mean, uh, The Shadow of the Wind is either his fourth or his fifth novel. I'm not sure right now. 
So, I mean, yeah, it takes a while to get that kind of practice, I suppose. Mm. And I made um, that sound fast, but, you know, a lot of the novel is spent up with people trying to say, this guy is coming after us, trying to convince Mr. Carter, please look through your records, you know, this guy Jawahal is coming after us, well, can you help us, you know? And then they go to this um, hospital where he was, he was supposed to have been until it had burnt down. Or, and then they mm. say, well, actually, we can't find a record of this guy. Uh, and they say, well sure he would be dead anyway and they said what do you mean he would be dead and they say well it, it burned down in like 1857 uh, and they say no but he told us it burned down in 1916 and uh, then that, yeah. they can't find a record of that incident so things get a little bit so more wishy-washy and a bit more mysterious but I, I sometimes feel like not everything is cleared up although you could argue that that's the case with Zafon anyway you know yeah. When we read um, the second book before, it gets a bit confusing near the end and, and not, yeah, not yeah. all the mystery is ever really cleared up other than they mentioned later that the guy was going a bit crazy, you know? Mm. So, yeah, so yeah, maybe that is just a trope of his, but I, I just, I liked this. I just didn't, when I, re- when I read La Sombra del Viento, I needed more. When I read yeah, yeah. El Juego del Angel, I needed more. When I read this, I kind of thought, okay, that was fine. Right. Okay. You know, I'm not about to rush out and buy the Prince of Mist now or Marina or, or whatever the other one is. You know, I just don't, yeah. I don't feel that this was as strong, but it's earlier work and it's more basic work. So I, I suppose that's to be expected. Mm. Okay. 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 Fair enough. But are you still going, do you think you still might read more just because you still love Safan? You still love Safan, you know what I mean? Or do you think you really don't want to give... I would say that if I'm in a bookshop and I see a copy of them at a decent price, I might pick one up. But I'm not going to rush out and get them, you know. The first I found book I read was The Prince of Mist, Principe de Niebla, and I bought it with with you. You were there in the Magic Bookshop in Belfast, in Spanish. Do you remember? I don't. They they very rarely have Spanish books in there. That was a a long time ago now. I think that was uh, was back in uh, 2014. Wow. So we were in Magic Bookshop and I got it there. So that was my first Safan book. And I loved Benicio Niebla and I had a really lovely hardback uh, edition as well, which, which I got in the Magic Bookshop. So I recommend that one. I don't know mm-hmm. what his other uh, young, young adult books are like. I actually went to the, to the Magic Bookshop recently and I purchased an oh, Agatha Christie. And I thought, I'll read this and we'll do a Caper Captains. And of course, it turned out that I'd already got it uh, and I'd already read it. Oh, so I've not got a duplicate uh, copy. So. Wait a minute, you can <laughs> never have enough of, of Agatha Christie. You can never tell if you've read them because they all sound the same based on just the blurbs. Well, the it's, back, great that you know? it's great that we're, you know, we're, we're, put, we're sponsoring this magic bookshop, yet it's not the name of the bookshop, is it? Uh, I, I actually don't remember the name of the bookshop <laughs> right now. It's Ke- in- Keats and Chapman, but I prefer to forget that. I've already called the magic bookshop. Okay, okay. But it is run by a magician. He speaks uh, usually Irish when I go inside. Oh, okay. I've never had that, but I have had them um, playing some trumpet for me while I've been there. Well, yeah, it's a lovely... Look, it's in Belfast City Centre, pretty central as well. So just do have a look out for that bookshop as well. What's it called again, then? James Chapman. And you wrote a poem about it, and I I did a painting about it, which we covered in an episode of Poetry Pals on on our Patreon. And we made some promotional photos outside of it, just very spontaneously with our neutral friends. I think even on uh, on books. Does he even know about us? Does, did, 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 I hope. I hope he's aware that we're promoted in the, the book. I think I told him. Uh, I sent him the, the the painting and the poem. I think. Oh, did you? That's sweet. Okay. He just said, "Yeah, that's that's nice." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a magic trick. Play the trumpet. Yeah. Maybe he can. He can hey, he can maybe compose a trumpet song for us in Irish. I love that. That would be cool. 
Well, I I don't have anything more to say about the book really, other than that it was it was it was good. Um, you know, Zafon's always good. It was just early early work. I think yeah. that's us um, at an end. Um, dear PJ, there we go, there we go. Um, so I really enjoyed doing the laundry again. I'd recommend that. I definitely want to read more some conscious children books. If anyone else out there wants to want to send us some, that's what I'm interested at the moment. But I wish you all a uh, oh, I wish I wish you all a great reading uh, month and a great reading April when you're listening to this. But by this time when you're listening, Dean will already have gone to Athens. But now, first of all, I just want to wish you a great trip, yeah. you and your mutual our mutual friend. Thank you that very much. There will be more Enjoy trips the- this year. In fact, uh, when Enjoy you the listen hummus. to the end of May episode, you will hopefully hear about um, ah. my visit to Gran Canaria. So that'll be ah, there you go. an interesting uh, interesting trip. Hopefully we'll get some more stuff. promotional photos. <laughs> exciting stuff ahead. <laughs> Guys, that's the end. Um, I was thinking about what to close this this episode with. And I thought, you know, why don't we do something slightly different? We once made, I don't know when, maybe in around 2015 or so, a little short instrumental on the keyboard together mostly you to be honest and uh, it's called hmm. dancing in a cuban cafe and i thought we'd uh, we'd close with that let's do it so if the dj would spin that record we'll be back in about a month see
Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Pawning Diamonds for My Husband. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth fan the boys shows. And you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! Okay, I need to edit that out. That is not what I meant to play. I was just saying that you just played that. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.